Well, we're happy to have Jim come speak to us this morning. Jim, if you'll come, I'd like to pray with you. Jim told me, he says, now, make sure that you give me a full half hour. I said, well, that's all right. If you go to 12, that's okay, too. So I don't know how long he's going to talk. <laughs> we'll find out. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Jim's willingness to come speak with us. And we just pray as the word is opened, it would speak to all of us, speak to our hearts, and pray a blessing on this time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You didn't need to scare them right off the bat. <laughs> this morning is sort of going to be a mixed bag, but before we get started, I'd like you to do something before you get all nested in. I'd like you to get up and greet each other and wish each other a Happy New Year. So let's just get up and get that done. Now, before we get started, it's a, you can always tell when somebody don't like you because they schedule you right after an important event. <laughs> Friday night, uh, that we had a really, really nice service here. The children done a wonderful job. And uh, I really did appreciate that. And then uh, the Christmas Eve program. Now, before we get into that, I want to remind you of something. As you got up and greeted each other this morning and you all had a laugh, you were greeted by a sinner. You know that? And the person they greeted was a sinner. We hear a lot about what separates us and what makes us different, but there's a lot of things that makes the playing field really level. And one thing is that everyone sitting in this place is a sinner. Would you agree with that? If you don't, you're saying Scripture is not true. So we need to understand that this morning before we get into what we're really going to talk about. And um, this Christmas Eve service, I'm going to tell you what I really did appreciate about that was there, there was no smoke up here and there was no flashing lights and it was not a big production. It was just people doing the best they could. And I really did appreciate that. Uh, there's a couple of things I didn't understand. One is there was a, a, a lady and a, a little girl and another one come and played the piano. And when they got all done, everybody clapped. Do you remember that? Why didn't you clap when Seth got up and rang the bell? Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to clap. That's just something I wanted to throw out. Uh, as a pastor, I've had the, a lot of experiences, and I'm going to share some of those this morning because uh, you're looking for a pastor here. And I think if you could understand some of the things that go on along with that, it's very helpful for you to do a better job with making your selection. I pastored in Beaver Dam Mennonite Church for about nine months, and 
in that church there were 14 millionaires. And you could take this church and put in that corner of that church. And I met some really interesting people there. And that was just a very, very short term. Things happened that was none of their fault, none of my fault, just the way it happened. And one of the people that I met there was a young lady. She was about 17 years old, a very attractive young lady. And um, when she was about 10, a dog got her down and just ripped her face terrible. You couldn't believe it. She had 300 stitches, little bitty tiny stitches in her face. And she she was showing me one day, she pulled her hair back, and you could see some of the stitches that they didn't get finished. But her hair covered them. She was a very, very interesting young lady. And she had a countenance about her that was just outstanding. And I've had the opportunity to meet those kind of people, and then I've met the other kind. Now remember, I'm trying to, I'm trying to um, share this with you from a pastor's, my experience with people. Because I found out after uh, that experience that no matter where I went, people are pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. And that um, you have the other folks in church. And from there, we went to a little church in Osceola. And uh, we were there for 17 years. I just learned so much there that it was just incredible. And uh, the first three months I was there, there was an individual there. His name was Bob. And... uh, about every two or three weeks after uh, the service in the morning, he'd come up to me and he'd say, uh, you know, if you would change this a little bit, it would be very helpful. He was a teacher. He was a newspaper editor. A very, very, uh, he was a pretty smart fella. And I listened to him. And I'd make those changes. And then in two or three weeks, he'd have another suggestion. And I'd make those. And uh, he wanted me to be the best I could be. And he knew I needed a lot of help. He was a recovering alcoholic. And um, I learned a tremendous a lot from him. And so I met all kinds of different people. And a pastor experiences those good times. And then you have the other times when you just really don't know quite how to respond correctly. 
And when you're trying to teach from an Anabaptist perspective, you understand that what I read in these scriptures, I have to do everything I can do to live everything I'm reading. For you that understand that, know that's a struggle. And my education was very limited. When I was a young person, my education was really, really lonesome. I spent most of my time in the corner on a stool facing the wall. And I didn't graduate. Uh, I went into the Marine Corps, and I was in there for four years. Now, from an Anabaptist perspective, of which this bulletin says you are, 60 years ago, I would have not been allowed to share with you in this church. For you that have been here that long, you know that's true. There would have been some reason why I would not have had that opportunity because of my experience in the Marine Corps. But as I look back on that experience, I could spend an hour just telling you all of the things that I'd learned there that were so helpful for me as a pastor. And I don't know what the background is of the person that you're dealing with, but um, I'm not a big music man. Darla, I don't want to blow your mind, but I'm just not a big music man. Uh, the congregation that I'm pastoring now, they're big uh, Chiefs fans. And I could, we could do go there, if I was there today preaching, I could go to about 2.30 just so they didn't miss the opening, they'd be okay. But uh, something happened um, here a few weeks ago that I was sitting as part here. You had a speaker come in. I, I don't remember who he was because I, I don't hear most of everything that's going on. But he was just talking right along, and all of a sudden he began a little song. Do you remember that? Nobody, no music, no nothing. He just started this song. And I don't know whether you sensed it or not, but there was a whole different spirit right here in this place. And I pick up those kind of things. If I could sing, I'd do that. But that wouldn't work for me. But anyway, you have these experiences. And you need to know that uh, whoever comes to be your magician, he goes through all of these things. He experiences things that you can't imagine. And um, one nice thing about being here is I don't have to impress you because most of you know me pretty well. And the other side of it is I know you pretty well. And um, 
I really do like the idea when I talk to someone, I'm talking to that person. And um, I found that I don't really gravitate towards people that have a lot of money. I sort of gravitate towards people that most people really don't like. And I find that to be very interesting. I've I've just um, really enjoyed uh, that time that I've had with people. And uh, a lot of the people have really had their backs to the wall to where I've seen them struggle. I've seen them go through things year after year, and they were just hanging in there and doing the best they can. That's the kind of people that really can minister to a lot of people. Now, the church that I was at for 17 years we had some really strange folks there. Uh, we had a lady that had bipolar. One morning she was sitting over there, and you need to understand this is a small building, and right in the middle of the um, sermon she said, I don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Just that plain. And I was standing there, and I didn't say anything. Pretty soon... Another lady got up and went over there, and another lady got up and went over there. And they knew their Bible pretty well, and they began to talk to her. I didn't have to say a thing the whole rest of the morning. That was church for me. That was what church was really all about. And a lot of times we have a really hard time with certain people. I didn't continue my education process, but when I decided that the Lord had called me to do what I needed to do, people let me know that I was so dumb that I needed to go to go to some kind of get some kind of education. And so I went to Heston. I got an associate in arts and Bible, uh, which that really didn't uh, um, solve the problem for me. And while I was at Heston, uh, Myron's, uh, Myron's folks said, uh, why don't you just stay with me uh, while you're going to school? So I slept in his bed for a whole semester. And um, I would come home in the evening after I was at study hall or whatever. And... Uh, his mother or father would be playing the piano. I can't remember which one, but they would be singing out of their hymnal in their home. I had never, ever seen anything like that in my life. And I've had these kind of things that just sort of happen uh, that begin to let me understand that I could be the smartest person there ever was and be able to recite all of the things in this Bible by memory. But if I didn't really get to know people, it wasn't worth a hoot. 
when I began to study people and to see how they responded to things, this book sort of become alive to me at a different level. I know it's hard for you to understand that, and I'm not too sure that every pastor experiences the same thing. But in the very early stages, when I met with other pastors and we'd have these meetings and they were trying to get me licensed and all of this stuff that needed to happen, I sort of had the feeling like this was good, but I really wasn't interested in that. Now, to me, this is what I call a proper church. Everything's well designed. We have everything in a box. You know what's going to happen. And you sort of come and you become a part of that. But you don't understand that when somebody like me... When I first came to Jesus, I didn't understand any of that. I did not know how to dress. I did not know how to talk. I was bilingual. What are you laughing at? When I say bilingual, what did you think I meant? Because there's a lot of you that are bilingual also. Yeah. And so I had to learn all these things. My oldest son and I get in this big debate every once in a while about, he says that everybody's knowing right and wrong. And we get in this big debate, and I don't ever argue with him, but everybody doesn't know right and wrong. Sometimes they have to be taught that. And whether they're 35 or 45 or ten, they need to be taught that. And that's part of your responsibility as a believer and as a member of this church. Uh, this is not your church. This is just the church that you attend. And it's helpful when I say these things if you can sort of read in between the lines. And um, you need to understand there's a lot goes on that a pastor deals with. In my journey, I, I want you to understand I know there was at least two people that thought I walked on water. And I never, ever wanted them to meet Randy Steckley because Randy would just tried to drown me one day and he would tell you that I do not walk on water. Now, let me explain something else to you. I have been scolded more times than once by a really, really good friend of mine about getting you to laugh a little bit. Do you know how open you are to learning when you laugh? 
And so every once in a while, I'll try to get you to chuckle about something. So hopefully something I'm saying will help you as you begin to want to have someone come and minister to you and to be your servant here. I really, in my whole time of the 17 years, and in this year will be the 50th year that I have uh, walked with the Lord since I came to Jesus. And almost half of that time, I've had the privilege of being a pastor and able to help people along the way. And um, But my basic roots came from this place right here. A person that was raised here, went to church here, set me down one evening and said, if you were to die, would you go to heaven or hell? And I said, I'd go to hell. I didn't have a problem with that at all. He said, it don't have to be that way. So when I look back at that, and I say at that moment in time, somebody loved me enough to challenge me about my walk with the Lord, and now uh, how that has rippled out into my whole family. And so that's a power and potential that you have here to do that. What the heck? It's not about getting another pastor and chewing him up and spitting him out and moving on. That's not what it's all about. In the Marine Corps, I want to use one illustration that I learned that's really, really relevant. In the Marine Corps, what happens, I've had a couple of people from this congregation want to talk to me about that. They were considering doing that. You go down and you enlist, and the enlisting person tells you what you need to bring when they call you. And when they call you to come, you will be there or they will send somebody to get you. Because once you sign the papers, you don't belong to this society anymore. You belong to them. And they put you on a plane. They fly you to California. You get into the Marine Corps Recruiting Depot there, and they process you. They send you to Camp Pendleton, California. They shave all of your hair off. You get in and take a shower. And that night you sing the Battle Hymn of the Republic until you cannot say one more word. Your throat is raw. The next day they issue your clothes. And you have underwear that you don't even know how they fit. And then they, they send you to your platoon and you meet a person called a DI, your drill instructor. Instructor. And the minute you, you, from the minute you are introduced to him, you hate his guts. Now, I want you to understand how that all fits together. He has one primary goal. He wants to keep you alive, and he wants to make you the best 
killing machine there is. Now I'm telling you just how it is. And he'll drive you till you think you're just going to go out of your mind. But after you think about that a little bit, he don't care who I am. He don't care what religion I am. He don't care who my granddaddy was. He don't care how much money I got. All he wants to do is to keep me alive so I can eliminate the enemy the best way that I can. Now, you know, when a pastor comes here, he's going to become your D.I. But his motives are going to be just a little different. His motives are going to be he wants you to be the best replica of Jesus that you can be. He wants you to be so good that when you walk into the store, people see Jesus in you. And He wants to keep you alive so you can reproduce that in your children and that you can bring people like the enlistment man did You can bring people along with you to be the most successful person for Christ that you can be. Tremendous parallels in that. And in some instances, you're not going to like your new D.I. And I know there's people sitting right out here this morning that don't have a great deal of respect for me. That's all right. I understand that. But sometimes for you to have a person here to lead you, you have to be leadable. And I have been so fortunate in my journey to be able to minister to people that don't have very much at all. In the churches that I minister to by now... There would have been a half a dozen of them already stand up and say, run that by me one more time. I don't understand that. But it took me almost two years to get them to understand that Sunday morning wasn't my time to be a big shot. It's their time to learn all they can learn about Jesus. And so, pastors are all different, but in the long run, uh, the ones that I have really paid attention to, in the long run, they, uh, they have a lot of issues to, to work with. I have been very fortunate myself to, um, I really not I really have not met very many pastors I like. Okay? There's just been about two or three of them that I really felt like we didn't agree on a lot of things. But there was a spirit about them that was different. 
one of them, Ken Steckley, probably had more of an impact on my whole journey than anybody I know of. Now, he was sort of a strange creature. Wasn't he, Darlene? No, yes, he was. You need to be truthful here now. We're all truthful. Yeah, okay. But Ken opened up doors for me that nobody else could and nobody else did. And so I, he's one that I really had a lot of respect for. And uh, I know that they're really, really honorable people. As we would sit at the table and we would talk about things and, and um, I would hear them complain about um, their people and hear them complain about they never get enough money. And we're all being truthful here this morning, and I'm telling you from a pastor's perspective what I have experienced. And they would get around to me, and the reason that I didn't get along with too many of them is because they'd say, what do you think? I said, I think you need to get a job. That did not go over very well. I have always really been blessed with... I went to the Scriptures, and I I struggle with this from the beginning because it seemed to be what everybody was doing. I don't want you to hear me knocking anybody. I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to explain the difference in people. I began to study the Scriptures really, really close, and I mean, I dealt with it for a, a while I never could find any evidence in the Scripture that when I used my gift, it was part of my occupation. I could find no evidence of it being a career that I had. I found no evidence at all about that should be my means of support for me and my family. And so when pastors and I would meet, they would, we would be at a complete different pole. But I never had to complain about things that they complained about. And I really never had to stand up before you and avoid an issue because I had to worry about you firing me because you couldn't hire me. And right now, even today, uh, I, I get really, really disappointed when I do a funeral and, and they want to pay me. I just, that don't exactly offend me, but I don't feel, I just don't feel comfortable with that. I'm not for hire. And so when, when you talk about getting a pastor, and in my perspective, it's quite a bit different. But the things that, no matter how you fit into that field, the things that we experience, I experience and they experience, are the same things. And that you need to understand that they have feelings, they have goals, This Bob that I told you about before asked me a very, very interesting question early on as I was there. 
He said, what do you want to have happen when you preach? What do you want people to get out of it? And I thought, you know, I need a really, really intelligent answer for that, but I really didn't have it. And so once again, I had to start digging through this book. And I read it and read it and reread it. And it sort of jumped out at me that after you read all the teachings of Jesus and all the teachings you have in the New Testament and all of what the prophets teach in the Old Testament, I think the bottom line in all of those teachings was they taught you so you could have a backbone with the steel in it and a heart that had love and understanding and mercy in it. You think about that. And the steel in your backbone is not brittle. It has to bend. And so, Dwayne did an excellent job this morning when he said, we need to be more aware of the people that Jesus has put around us to let them see Jesus working right out of this place. I come by here Sunday morning to go to Laurie City to church. and I'll be there next Sunday. And um, I always, when you have the sale here, There are people out directing traffic. You all know that. Yeah, you've seen that. That's all the way it ought to be every Sunday here. Have you ever sat down and realized the potential that you have here? The power to bring eternal life to your neighbor? even though you might not really like them. That's the kind of power you have here. It would not be, it would not be beyond my imagination that someday you couldn't get them all in here. Some of the people want to know, what's the best commentary I can read? The best commentary you can read is yourself. So anyway, that's some of the things that I wanted to uh, share with you this morning. And on a biblical basis, the church is always changing. I hear people say, boy, it's worse now than it's ever been. You haven't studied your history. It's not as bad as it ever has been. And if you want to be uh, separated from people, that'll be your choice. And so we have things like the mask comes along and people get on. But, you know, before that, it was the head coverings. You know, John, you know what I'm talking about. When the head coverings, all the ladies needed, and some people, some didn't want it, and so, and so there was a big debate about that, and some didn't like the ones that wore it. So this has been going on forever. This is nothing new. Don't let that slow you up. The main thing is that 
you are sharing your faith with other people. And you're bringing them to Jesus. And you're teaching them how to be Jesus' people. And I want to throw this in before I close. I want to throw a couple things in. One is that when I came to Jesus, I came from a Catholic background. My wife and I were both raised Catholics. I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps, and her father was a colonel in the Army. If you don't know anything about the military, you don't know how impossible that is. Because I was just poor white trash to him. And so we have that parallel in the church going on all the time. We just have to stop that. When uh, one time when I was in the middle of sharing on Sunday morning, we had a young lady that had twin girls. And uh, one of them started coming down the hallway, uh, the aisle there, just like this. It had one step instead of two. And her mother got up and I just, she sat down. The little girl came right up and come right up on the pulpit. And I picked her up and I was holding her and I just kept on and finished on. And uh, her mother came up to get her. She didn't know that the little girl had messed her pants. Bad. Really bad. I didn't say a word. I just give it. The child, little girl to her mother, and her mother just about fainted. What a tremendous picture it is for us. When we walk down that aisle, and we're not really the best we could be, but we, Jesus reaches down and picks us up. And when we confess to him, he makes us as clean as ever was in your day. And we need to keep that in mind, that we want to always be able to pick up that person that needs a little help and bring them to Jesus. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to share here this morning. Uh, It's been a real blessing for me, and I hope it has been for someone else. I know that there's probably someone here that really hasn't had the opportunity to have Jesus pick them up. This morning, I want to talk to that person, and I want to say, if you have never asked Jesus in your life, I want you to carefully consider that this morning. I want you to understand that Jesus loves you. 
He don't care who you were. He don't care what you've done. All he cares about is you coming to him and becoming part of his family. And if there's anyone here that has not accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, I want to give you just a minute to consider that. And if you're that person and you'd like to receive Jesus, I would ask you to just sit tight for a few minutes when we're done and let's have a chat. I really do appreciate the time and the effort that people put into me as a new Christian. They were able to overlook who I have been and what I had done. And somehow they seen there was something better there for me to be. And actually, I will become eternally grateful for that. And I thank you for that. In Christ's name I do pray. Amen.